Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by our lead pastor, Dave Ferguson, as we begin a brand new series, More. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. And now also on Monday nights at 6.30 p.m. We hope to see you there. I think that phrase, we were meant to live for so much more. I think there's a reason it resonates so much. I think there's a reason it connects so much. I mean, even big picture, you can go really big picture. Our, our nation, in many ways, was kind of founded out of this, out of this desire for more. This, this, this drive for something more, this longing for more than what we had. In fact, in July of 1776, these words were written to shape our nation. Written like this, it says, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among those unalienable rights are life, liberty, and happiness. Powerful words. All right, social studies class, now where do those words come from? All right, we have one person who gets an A+. Nicely done. (laughs) The Declaration of Independence, that's exactly right. Um, It's the document that laid the foundation for our nation. Life liberty and happiness it's kind of a a simple but powerful kind of summation of the american dream now quick question did anybody notice that there are some very important words left out anybody notice some very important interesting words left out yes sir the pursuit of very good we give another a plus there okay gold star for you all right that's exactly right. Check this out, because it actually is supposed to say this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among them are life, liberty, and, what's it say there? What? Help me. The pursuit of happiness. I find that so interesting. It's like the first two items, life and liberty, they're stated plainly without any kind of condition, and it kind of says, you, you can have those, but when it comes to happiness, well, good luck getting after that one. Go for it. And of course, as Americans, I mean, we do. We pursue happiness. And just, just think about how we even celebrate our Independence Day, okay? Summer's coming to a close. Think about how we celebrate, you know, July 4th. First on July 4th, one of the things we always do is we test our di- the limits of our digestive system. <laughs> We're trying to eat as much as we can, probably about as much on one day as we should eat in a whole month. And case in point, here we go, case in point, Joey Chestnut. You know this name? Joey's Chestnut. This past 4th of July set the world record. He ate 74 hot dogs in 10 minutes. 10 minutes. And of course, we also then we illegally blow up stuff in the freedom of our own backyard. (laughs) And can we all just agree with this kid here too? I mean... Fourth of July parades, I mean, it's a better idea than reality, right? Okay? Now, I, I do. I, I love the fact that we get to pursue, right? We have the freedom to pursue happiness. But let's just stop for a second. If that is so core to every one of our kind of identity as a group, how are we doing? What if we just checked in? How are we doing on this thing of pursuit of happiness? How happy are we? If that's so important. Well, as we were working on this talk, we, uh, we did a little digging Uh, to find out how we're doing as a nation in this pursuit of happiness. And we came across a fascinating study that actually compares the happiness in the United States to the happiness to people living in other countries around the world. Any guesses where we rank? 
Well, I'm not going to let you say because you'll ruin my illustration, but here we go, all right? Actually, the United States, of all the countries, we came in an underwhelming 25th place. 25th place. Now, to kind of put it in perspective, we came in two spots behind Rwanda. Rwanda is this poverty-stricken country in Africa, and I've been there. Beautiful country, beautiful people. But just to give it a little bit of perspective, okay, it was less than 20 years ago that the country of Rwanda went through a genocide where 20% of their people were either maimed, wounded, or killed. And according to this study, they are happier than we are. They are happier, okay, than we are. Now, the most in, that wasn't even the most interesting part of the study. Check out, this is probably the most interesting part of the study. Check this out, it said this, right out of this study. It says, the higher the respondents rated happiness as a distinct personal ambition. Think about the way you talk, the way you think about happiness, okay? The higher they rated as a distinct personal ambition, the less happy they were in their lives generally. And then it goes on and says, and the more likely they were to actually experience symptoms of dissatisfaction and even depression, you get what this is actually saying? Think about this. In an equation, let's do the math here. The math would look like this, I think, okay? I think we pursue happiness thinking, you know what? That's going to make me happy. If I pursue happiness, I'm going to get happiness. But actually what this study is telling us globally, that when we pursue happiness, it actually doesn't get us happiness. It does not equal happiness. Don't you kind of feel like you need to have a sit down with Thomas Jefferson about this point and go like, hey, maybe we need to think that third one over again. Think about this. Could it be, and now that I, I don't want to just go kind of national, I want to go personal with you. Could it be that your own pursuit of happiness is actually the thing that's making you unhappy? Could it be that we've been sold a bill of goods that this, that this pursuit of happiness is actually the totally wrong pursuit altogether? I mean, because really, if this, I'm telling you, if this is actually right, and that's where I'm headed this morning, this is paradigm-shifting stuff. This is worldview-altering kind of content. Because my guess is that most every one of us in this room, at some point along the way, whether it's through relationships we try to pursue happiness, through our careers and vocation we try to pursue happiness, or through finance we try to pursue happiness, at some point along the way, we found ourselves wondering, going like, is this all there is? Isn't there more? And here's the truth. The truth is there is more. There's more to life than what the American dream has to offer. And I'm telling you, and this is where we're going to be headed, it is not found in the pursuit of happiness. But there is more. There is more. All right? Turn to someone next to you, okay? Tell them there is more. All right? I don't want you to get depressed here before we turn this thing around. All right? I find it so fascinating. Jesus... Jesus in the Gospels, one of, the, one, of the, one of his best friends who just observed his life, he just kind of watched his life, just watched his life. And he's writing about Jesus in one of his biographies, and it's called, it's called John, the fourth book in the New Testament. And he makes this observation about, about Jesus, and he says this, he said, in him was life. He sees Jesus, and he goes like, in him's life. And Jesus wasn't trying to hide it, it just kind of oozed out of him. And in fact, Several chapters later, he explains, here's, here's why I came, in fact. I've come so you can have this life that you see in me. And so you can have this life and life to the full. And I think particularly, speaking to an American audience, this is so important for us to hear. Jesus, if we look at his Gospels, all the biographies, the first four books in the New Testament, he never tells us to pursue happiness. 
He did one better. He says this. He says, I know you're looking for more. I know you're going to show up on this Sunday here in the middle of September and you're looking for more. Let me show you how you can have life. No, no, even better. Let me show you how you can have life to the full. And when he says this, you can have life and life to the full, Jesus intentionally chooses his words carefully. Because there's actually, there's, there's, there's three words. There's three words for life in the original language of the New Testament of the Bible. Three words for life, okay? And, and the first word, what kind of word through it? The first word that's sometimes used for life is, is bios. Say that for me, bios. Okay, bios is just a, it's from the root word biology. It means physical life. Um, it can also refer to chronological life. The, the average bios life, okay? The average bios life includes 250 hours, 250,000 hours of sleeping. 76,000 meals eaten. 200,000 trips to the bathroom. Most of them in the second half of your life. <laughs> and for many of us, this is what happens. We start out thinking, life is going to be found in this bios life. We think, oh, that's where life's going to be found. By satisfying or pleasing this right here. And it might come through exercise. And, and it might come through, 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 through pleasure and pleasing, through partying. Or maybe through devouring pornography. Or other things. But we think this bios life, that's what, this, this thing, if I can please this, if I can satisfy this, this is going to bring me life. Yet the bios life, it alone, can leave you feeling like you're going through life, but there's no life going through you. It can leave you with that feeling that you're going through life, but there's no life going through you. And sooner or later, you're looking for life in this bios life, if you're, and you start thinking, you know what? There's got to be more. There's got to be more. And there is more. Okay, the second word, the second word. First one was bios. The second word uh, in the New Testament of the Bible for this word life is this word suke. Okay, say that for me, suke. <laughs> I think some of you said sucky. It's not sucky, okay? I, sucky life, that's probably another category as well. Um, this is suke, okay, suke life. Uh, suke is actually a, a, the mental dimension of your life. Um, it, reminds, it refers to our mind, or our emotions, or our will, the, the intellect, our, our determination, our, our willpower. To actually get to the place where, where we let our mind control our actions rather than just our feelings. Right? To let our mind control our actions rather than just our feelings. And I think what happens for a lot of us, see if this is true with your story. Most of us, we kind of maybe we come through the teen years, the college years, and the young adult years, and there's a certain period where, you know, we do, we kind of, we count on the bios life to bring us happiness, right? But it doesn't quite satisfy. So then we turn to the suke life. We turn to the suke life. We think to ourselves, there's got to be more. So we pursue learning or, or higher education. Or in some cases, more specifically, self-help. Or we go out and we get counseling or therapy. Or for some of us, we spent too much time in the bios life, we develop an addiction. So then we, in the suke life, we go to a 12-step group, a recovery group. And those things are all, I mean, hear me on this, all very, very good things. And while it's better than maybe just the bios life, it still leaves us with feeling, you know what? There's got to be more. There's got to be more. And the good news is there is more. Here's the third and final word. The third and final word is this word. Say it after me, Zoe. Zoe kind of life, okay? The Zoe life includes the bios life, the body. It also includes the, the suke life, right? The, the mental 
right? So while the bios life is the physical dimension, the suke life is the mental, emotional dimension. Zoe, okay, the Zoe life is, a, is, is, a, is different. It's, it's, it's about a qualitative dimension of every part of life. You could, we actually call it the spiritual dimension. And here's the thing. When Jesus said, I have come to give you life and give you life to the full, guess which word he uses? Guess which word he uses? That's exactly right. He uses Zoe. He uses Zoe. Intentionally so. And he said, listen, I want to give you the kind of life that can actually change your past. It can actually change your present. And it actually can change your future. And I love the way the message translation actually translates John 10.10. It says it this way. Jesus speaking, I have come so you can have real eternal life. More and better life than you ever dreamed of. See, this Zoe life refers to an eternal life. The, the kind of life that we are actually hardwired, we are made for, that will never end. But hear me on this. This is really, really important because you, sometimes this gets skewed in church. It's not just talking about only when you get to heaven. It's not just talking about the afterlife. Eternal life means both before now and after now, all of time. Starts right now, this minute, this second, when our heart's beating. And when we find our way back to God, we begin to experience this Zoe kind of life. Because see, we're born, we're born, right, with the bios life. Physical. We're also given a suke life. But it's when you say yes to Jesus. When you say yes to Jesus and receiving his spirit to come to life inside you, that's when all of a sudden we come back to life and we experience, begin to experience this Zoe life. And for many of us, see if this isn't true of your story. I think many of us, it's only after years and years of pursuing kind of the bios life and then the suke life that we realize, you know what? It's not going to be found in satisfying this thing. I mean, you can get some highs on this thing, but, but that, that's not going to be satisfying. It's not going to bring me the, the, the thing I'm longing for. And, and, and this here, too, it's, it's not going to bring me what I'm longing for. It's only when we experience that full Zoe life do we actually find that more that we're looking for. Uh, C.S. Lewis. I don't know if that name rings a bell to you, but C.S. Lewis is a guy who's one of the great intellectuals of the last hundred years. He did this all-out search spiritually himself, found his way back to God, said yes to Jesus. He pursued more. Listen, listen to the way he, he explains this. I think this is so smart, and I'll try to read this slowly, but take this in, or maybe you want to take a screenshot of this and just meditate on this. This is so good. He says, there's a spiritual life which is in God from all of eternity and which, was made, uh, and which made the whole natural universe is Zoe. He's, he's using the same words we're using. He goes on and says, Bios has to be sure a certain shadowy, symbolic resemblance to Zoe. But only the sort of resemblance there is between a photo and a place, like a real place. Or a statue and a man, a real man. A man who's changed from having Bios to having Zoe would have gone through as big a change as a statue which changed from being a carved stone to being a real man. (laughs) And that is precisely what Christianity is all about. This world is a great sculpture shop. We are the statues, and there's a rumor going around that some of us are someday going to come to life. We are the statues. Think about this. There's a rumor going around that we're spreading today that some of us are going to come back to life. All right, what does that mean for us to come back to life? How does that happen? And here's the difference. The difference in the bios life, okay, and the suke life 
is, is a focus. There's a focus. In the bios life, the focus is really on yourself, on pleasing this thing right here. The suke life is still the same kind of thing. The focus is on yourself. But when you get to this Zoe life, there's a dramatic shift that takes place. And the shift is this. Rather than focusing on yourself in the Zoe life, because now God's Spirit's coming to life inside of you, you begin to focus on God and what God wants. And when that shift happens and it's led from the inside out, you're being changed. When it's led by God's Spirit inside, it allows us, it, it kind of, it, it allows us and gives us the opportunity to always choose the things that God would choose in life, which brings more life. Does that make sense? So first of all, there's not a focus on us, there's a focus on God, but it's even more profound than that. The focus also shifts, consequently also because of God's Spirit, towards others. All of us have had the experience of doing something that's very other-focused, other-oriented. Think about it, and all of a sudden we feel alive. And it's like a glimpse. It's a glimpse of this stuff. But when God's Spirit comes to life inside of us, it's all, suddenly there's a focus on other, and it's like a counterintuitive approach, but it brings us life. And in fact, the Spirit not only does that, but it expands our heart for the whole world. And we begin to see ourselves as a part of God's mission to make the world back to the way, to restore the way that he meant for it to be. Now, now one of the things that we've done around here at Community, we, so that we can kind of put a handle on this and remember this, you know what we call that? That focus on God and focus on others in the world. What we call it, we just call that, we call it our three C's. We, we challenge people, this is the Zoe life. When you allow God's spirit to come inside you, that you focus on celebrating your relationship with God, connection, your relationship with people around here, doing life together, contribute your relationship with the world. That is real, eternal life. There's, a, um, there's an amazing little book. There's an amazing little book that was published, oh man, uh, 140 years, eight, 1884. It was published in 1884 called Flatland. Anybody ever heard of this? Flatland. This, this was kind of new material to me. Flatland, a, and the subtitle, A Romance of Many Dimensions by A Square. <laughs> now, the book was actually written by a guy named Edward Abbott. But let me kind of explain this to you. Uh, and here, here's the story. Edward Abbott creates a world that only consists of two dimensions. Two-dimensional space, where everything is flat. Everything that exists, it was like, uh, like, a, like a drawing on a piece of paper. And the narrator of the story is um, A-square. So, all that Mr. A-square has ever known is this two-dimensional world called Flatland. He's never experienced. He's never heard of anything else. Everything he knows, everybody he knows is flat. Then one night he has a dream. And he has a dream and everything changes. He dreams of a world called line land that's only one dimension it's a world without shapes but only has points now the square pities the people of line land and he tries his best to explain to them there's more to life there's more to life than just that one dimension that one dimensional point that you're familiar with but no matter how hard he tries the people of line land don't understand and there's no way for them to actually experience or comprehend a two-dimensional world because they're stuck in in line land, in a, line, in a land of points. Well, soon after A Square's dream about line land, he gets a little taste of his own medicine, and he is miraculously visited 
by a three-dimensional sphere. Again, creatively named a sphere. At first, a square is unable to see a sphere as anything except a flat circle. But something slowly and incredible happens. A sphere gives a square a glimpse of this third-dimensional world called Spaceland. Suddenly, two-dimensional square becomes aware there is more to life, more than he ever dreamed possible. There's actually an entire third dimension of life that he never knew existed. A place with depth and width and textures and fullness. And I'll tell you, I couldn't help but as I read this story, I couldn't help but think about so many of us that we're a lot like A Square. We live in a two-dimensional world of our bios and our suke, but, but we know there's got to be something more. We're aware of this bios, but we know that, that there, our life has to be more than just a bouncing line of a heartbeat. We're also aware of the suke, the two-dimensional aspect of kind of thoughts and emotions. But here's my fear. My fear for many of us is that we get stuck right here. That's where we get stuck. We get stuck in flatland. And so many people that we, almost everybody we know and almost everybody we talk to is also flat. And so, it's, so we, we have the sense there's something more, but we don't know how to get there. Here's the thing. That's why Jesus came. Jesus is like the sphere. He comes into our world so that we can experience life to the full. A three-dimensional life. A life with depth and width and textures and fullness that's only going to be revealed by His Spirit coming to life inside of us. See, see, Jesus Himself is the embodiment of the full life. This three-dimensional life. A 3C life, the Zoe life. And I think Jesus wants to give every one of us, every one of us in this room, He wants you to experience that life starting today if you have never. I want to introduce you to Gail. Gail's someone who attends here at Community. And she's been pushing into this third dimension of life, this 3C life, this full life, this Zoe life. Here's her story. My name is Gail Frazados, and I've been coming to Community Christian Church for almost two years now. Before coming to Community Christian Church, I thought that I was all good with God. I thought that everything was okay. I thought that we had an okay relationship. I just didn't think that it was enough. And I wasn't really sure what was missing, because all the boxes seem to be checked. It's kind of hard to explain that feeling because you don't feel empty, not when you have some sort of a relationship with God, but you don't feel filled. You don't feel like, you feel like God's out there somewhere and you're over here. When I first came to Community Christian, the very first day, the door was open wide and people were just welcoming me and telling me how glad they were to see me and how glad they were that I was here. And I think it's something's not right here, you know? They think that I'm somebody else, but I'm gonna go along with this and just, mosey on in. Then the music started, five, four, three, two, one of the drums, and I'm thinking, I'm not sure about this. But by the end of that service, I shed more tears, joyful tears. Here's a message that's speaking to me and the person next to me and the person next to them. All these people that had their hands up and they're singing and they're praising, and it wasn't coming just from an empty place. It wasn't just singing music. It was looking at them and watching them sing songs of praise. I knew this was the place that was gonna take me on that journey that I needed to be on 
to get closer to God. I knew it from day one. Now I'm learning that Jesus is part of my walk. He walks right with me. He does everything with me. He's my, uh, my savior. He's the one I rely on. He's the one I go to. And that's what fills me, completely consumes me so that I can be the person that can show Jesus to other people. I can't want anything else. Everything that, you know, you think that you want, everything that you think that you need to attain, um, whether it's status, whether it's, you know, a better position at work, none of that matters. It really doesn't anymore. It, you feel so complete in Jesus that you really don't look for that. You look for everything to unfold on his timeline and to his will, not to mine. It, it totally changes everything. I would not go back to the life I had before for anything, and I'm nowhere near finished. I'm still on this path, I'm still on this journey, and every day I will start the same way that I've been starting for the last two years, saying, Spirit, come and fill me and show me new things and open up new things to me. There's no place that I'd rather be than on this path with Him. And I really love the walk that I'm taking with Him, and I love that this church brings me on that walk and, and walks with me and I can't wait to see what's next. I don't know what he's got in store for me tomorrow or next week or next year, but it doesn't matter because I know he'll be there with me and I know that we're going to do it together. Let, let me just um, speak just directly to you this morning. I mean, I think for some of you, you're here this morning. Um, because I think God wants you to experience this more. That, that longing that you feel, that I mean, even in your relationships and they're good, but there's got to be something more. Or in your job, and you're going, oh, there's got to be something more. Or just in your own pursuit of happiness, feeling that there's something, there's something more. That, that, that what's missing there is the very thing that God says, yeah, you're right, there's something missing. And I want to give you life and life to its fullest. I want to give you that more. This Zoe life. I, I want to encourage you to, to join us, if it's not a part of your regular routine, to be here for the next four weeks during this series. We're going to talk about what it, mean, what it means to experience this Zoe life, more joy, more love, uh, more hope, make more of an impact with our life. And I'll tell you what, here's what I want to do. I want to wrap up with two challenges, okay? Two challenges. And I think this is going to be, I think if you'll take them both on, they'll be profoundly helpful to you. The first challenge is a very practical challenge. The second one is, is really just a supernatural challenge. The practical challenge is this, okay? One of those practical next steps that you can take, one of the things that we've done is you can actually go online and uh, take what we call our 3C Spiritual Growth Plan. And if you go, if, and if you go online to communitychristian.org uh, slash 3Cs or you pull it up on our app, um, you'll start with an assessment and it'll take you through how are you doing in pursuing your relationship with God, your relationship with others, your relationship with the world. And it'll, it'll actually give you some, some ways where you can set some goals so you can begin to pursue those things instead of the normal things that we kind of pursue if left to our own devices that don't bring life. Okay? So go to our website, pick it up on the app. That's a real practical challenge. I'm telling you, I'd love to see every one of you. I'm going to do it. I'd love to see every one of you do that. Okay? Now let me also give you just a supernatural challenge. And this is, this is something I'm going to ask you to, to begin doing during our communion time today. Because we're going to take communion in just a moment. Well, being intentional about goal setting um, regarding the, the Zoe kind of life, that, that's a good thing. Understand this. Um, your best efforts can't do this on its own. 
You cannot do this. You, you cannot hustle enough. You cannot work hard enough. And it's not about you being a, a nicer person, getting a little bit of spirituality. This is not about you being a person who suddenly starts going to church. This is about a transformed person, about you being transformed into the person that God always meant for you to be. And this transformation is so significant, it actually requires God's supernatural intervention. Remember, Jesus came so we could have life and life to the full full of his very own spirit. In other words, had Jesus not come, this Zoe life, everything we're talking about this morning, this Zoe life would not be possible. And that's good news because it means you cannot attain it on your own. You cannot work hard enough on your own. What it means is it's a gift that he wants to give to you if you'll receive it. So a moment the ushers are gonna come and they're gonna um, offer you a piece of bread. That bread, this is the way Christians have done it for centuries, for, 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 for all of time. That bread is a reminder of the body of Christ given to you. He's asking you, will you receive it? You can take that piece of bread. You're also gonna see the cup. The cup's a reminder of the blood of Christ. You can take that cup. You can just receive it. And so in a moment, they're gonna come and and if you want that Zoe life, go ahead and hold on to those. We'll take it in a moment after this next song. Together, just hold on to them. But here's here's the supernatural challenge. Starting with this communion time, starting today, and I would say every day through this series and as often as it comes to mind, I want to challenge you with a prayer, all right? It's a simple kind of prayer that says, Jesus, I want more of you. Fill me with more of your spirit today. Maybe even just go ahead and do this with your hands, the posture of kind of receiving. Jesus, I want more of you. I want more of your spirit today. Jesus, I want more of you. Fill me with more of your spirit today. Maybe just remember that one word, more, and just make that the word, the word that you continue to ponder. And just ask himself, you know what, God? I don't want it from other places. I don't want to try to conjure it up my own, but I want more from you. From you. I'll tell you what, let's, let's just, on the count of three, let's all just, let's say this prayer together on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus... I want more of you. Fill me with more of your spirit today. Let's say that again. One, two, three. Jesus, I want more of you. Fill me with more of your spirit today. Father God, we come right now into this communion time. And I think I can speak for probably almost every person here. There's at some point, and probably in the last few days or even weeks, that we've had that feeling of there's got to be something more. Lord, help us to realize that you came. You came to offer us life. Life better than we ever dreamed of. Life to the fullest, more. And it's right now in this moment that we receive it. That we receive it. We want to enter into that dimension of the Zoe kind of life with you. And it's in Jesus' name.